Acts chapter 12. I wanted to end up this, this Sunday, this last day of the year, preaching this thought. It's simply this, God will always be God. God will always be God. Isn't it funny that how we get surprised by things that uh, really shouldn't surprise us at all? I mean, when you really think about who we are, we get surprised by things that really shouldn't surprise us, as all, uh, surprise us at all, such as maybe gaining weight. That shouldn't surprise you. Maybe getting a speeding ticket if you're caught speeding. That really shouldn't surprise you, right? And you know, all kinds of things. But especially when it comes to God things, sometimes the Lord does something for us and it catches us off guard and, and we'll say things like, wow, look at this. I can't believe this took place. Look at what God has done. Even things maybe that we've even prayed about with an expectation for God to do. When it happens... Sometimes we just really get surprised. Now, we, we already know this. We ought to be thankful. We ought to be appreciative of when God answers our prayers and He shows up on the scenes. But really, we shouldn't be too surprised when He answers those prayers that we've been praying. I mean, really, when you think about it, God is still God, right? He's still God. And our faith ought to cause us to expect God to be God. Now, some folk that I know and some folk that you know don't have any problem with this. Their, their faith is alive, it seems like, and their faith is vibrant, and they live every moment of every day with an expectation in their heart for God just simply to be in their life. But some folk have allowed their faith to become a little stale. Some folk have allowed their faith to become a little sophisticated. Some folk have allowed their faith to come, become a little complicated and, and cold. And so when God does something amazing, they're, they're not only surprised, but they may not even believe at times that it is God. And really, when we look at this scripture in Acts chapter 12, we're going to see both of these, these uh, instances in our text this morning. So as we read this text, I want you to try, to try to picture the kind of person that maybe you are. Are you surprised when God moves, or do you really expect God to move. Look with me in Acts chapter 12, and let's look at the first four verses this morning. Now about the time that Herod the king stretched out his hand to arrest some from the church, then he killed James the brother of John with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread... So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after the Passover. That's sort of interesting to me. He wanted to bring them before the people after the Passover. When you look at this scripture, you understand the history of that day. Persecution was very rampant in the days of the early church. We've already seen earlier, if you go back in the book of Acts, you've seen that where Stephen was killed for his faith. You'll see where disciples was thrown into prison, that disciples was beaten, and now James is killed as well. And history tells us and shows us that King Herod loved the praise of men. And so he sought to please the Jewish community that after he ruled over by killing the hated Christians of that day. And after he had James killed, he realized how much it helped him politically, and so he arrested Peter as well. And the leader of that dime of the early church and planned on publicly executing him as well. But the Jews had this thing about killing people during their religious feast, and so he decided to wait until after the days of 
unleavened bread was over in order to kill Peter. Now, this was when you go back and you do a, a study of this, you'll find that this was, this was a regular occurrence during the days of the early church. The Christians back then received heavy persecution on a regular basis, something that Jesus even told us in his word that would happen. Now, we sometimes, we feel like that we're persecuted, but you've never been at the face of death, right? Concerning your faith. You may have been there in an accident. You may have been there because somebody pulled a weapon or whatever on you, that kind of thing, but you've never been there, at least I don't think, because of your faith. If you were arrested, as the old song says, for being a Christian, would you have enough evidence in your life to convict you? How many remembers that old song? If you have, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would you have enough evidence to convict you? But in the early days, this was very, very a regular occurrence. Matter of fact, when you look in John chapter 15, verse 18, the Bible said this, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. You Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And so the early Christians understood that their lives at times would be in danger and it would be extremely difficult because of their faith. But they still believed that God was God, amen, and that he would even work through the persecution of his glory. And if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, I hope you leave today understanding the fact and know and settle it in your heart. Hey, I know that God is still going to be God. No matter what takes place, no matter the good times, no matter the bad times, no matter what happens in my life, Brother Reigns, God is still going to be God. And I've got to settle that in my mind. And you need to settle that before you go into 2018, amen, today, that God will always be God, amen. He was there at the beginning, he'll be God in the end, amen. He's there in the good times, he'll be God in the bad times. He was there when I don't want to get up of a morning, and he's there when I lay my head down at night, amen. God will always be God, amen. So look, let's take a sneak peek of how this story ends. These Christians were persecuted. And as we've seen and we'll continue to see, the more oppressed the believers were, the more the gospel. It, it, it spread, it seemed like. When you look at verse 24 in chapter 12, the Bible says, But the word of God grew and it multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. The word, the gospel spread even through the persecution. So even through the trials of life, according to Acts chapter 12, you and I can expect God to be God. God uses many times difficult situations and difficult things in our life to grow us and to grow his kingdom. And we can expect God to be God. God, even in the midst of circumstances, even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of all the hard times, God still can be God. And we can expect God to be God for deliverance in the midst of those trials, amen, in our life. How many of y'all believe that this morning? Hallelujah. Now here the story is in Acts chapter 12. Here's Peter is. Peter's been thrown into prison for being a Christian. Herod has put four squads of soldiers in place to guard him. That simply means that there were four Four-man teams who would take turns guarding him 24 hours a day. Peter would have two men chained to him, sitting in his locked cell, two men posted outside the cell to stand guard, and he's been in jail for a few days, and it's the night before he's going to be executed. Now, I don't know how you would feel in that situation. Think about it. 
But in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, the Bible says this. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but in constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And Herod was about to bring him out that night Peter was sleeping. Did you get that? This is the night before, before he's going to be executed. All these things has taken place. Stephen has already been killed. All these disciples have been arrested. All these things has taken place. And there Peter is in jail sleeping, bound with two chains between him. Two soldiers on each end. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, the angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter by the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off of his hand. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And he did not know that what was done by an angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street and immediately the angels departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord had sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. And he had considered this and he came to the house of Mary the mother of John whose surname was Mark and many was there gathering in prayer meeting. You know what I think? I think Peter, according to the scripture, expected God to be God and somehow he expected God to deliver him from this situation. How else would he have been able to sleep that night before his execution? How else would he have been so calm in order to to go to sleep? He soundly slept through that night before he was to be executed and he's chained up to a couple of soldiers He's scheduled to die in the morning. He's so sound asleep. Matter of fact, the Bible said that the angel come in, it had a bright light, and it did not even wake him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm asleep at night and somebody turns the light on, I don't like it. You've heard me tell this story before when we was growing up. Vonda, my sister, she's not here, so I'll pick on her this morning. She come to wake me up one morning. And she turned the light on in my room. And I, and I was sleeping over this way. And she come behind me and turned the light on and come and hit me and said, Get up. And I took my fist. And I was wanting to connect with her. Hallelujah. One of our, one of our goals at this church is connect with people. I started it early. I wanted to connect with her. And I reared back and I swung my fist and she jumped back and I didn't hit her. But she run down and she hit the hallway wall and she run down the hall hollering for mom and daddy because Danny is fixing to kill me. I don't know about you, but when a light comes on and I'm dead asleep, I don't want to be woke up that way. Just touch me gently and say, hey, are you all right? Can you get up? Don't turn no light on. Is anybody else the same with me? The angel come in there and had a bright light and it didn't even wake Peter up, Brother Joe. But the angel had to hit him in the side. He had to elbow him in the side to get Peter's attention to get him up. He had to elbow him in the ribs. That bright light was not enough. But Peter was able to sleep well because why? He expected God to be God and deliver him from prison. I don't know what kind of prison cell that you may be in this morning. I don't know what kind of dungeon that you may be in this morning. But can I tell you this morning that God is still God in 2017 and he'll still be God in 2018. 
15. I don't care how big the mountain gets. I don't care how wide the valley gets. God will still, and he always will be God. Somebody give him praise in the house today. Hallelujah. Boy, that's really simple preaching, Pastor. It is, but sometimes we don't get it. Sometimes when we're in the midst of our trials, we just don't think God can deliver us in this thing. Lord, this one is a biggie here. There's no way, God, you can show up and deliver me out of this situation, but he can. God's still God. After all, the last time he was in prison, talking about Peter, think about this. The last time he was in prison, the Lord delivered him as well. If you, if you go back to Acts chapter 5, John 21, 18, the Lord implied to him that he would live to be an old man. Don't you imagine Peter remembered what the Lord said? Don't you imagine he remembered the past, Sister Parker, of what God had done for him in the past? Don't you imagine? Has God ever ministered anybody in the house? Has God ever touched anybody in the house? Has God ever healed anybody in the house? Well, if God ain't doing it right now, just remember back then who God was. And God, the back there, the back there God is still the this here God. He can still do it today, amen. And Peter remembered that and he just slept soundly because God had already told him, you're going to live to be an old man. So Peter looked at this situation, and basically, and I'm just paraphrasing here, God can handle this. God can take care of this. I'm going to get a little shut up. I'm going to go to sleep. And I need to tell you this morning, God is going to take care of us. Amen. He will. God can take care of us. He can take care of us. And he'll deliver us from the trials of life one way or another. Amen. One way or another. I thought about this this morning, and as I was going over my notes some of you won't know who I'm talking about, but Dad and Dwayne and Sheena, some of you others will know who I'm talking about by the lady by the name of Sister McFarland. Sister McFarland used to be the youth camp cook for years and years and years. She was sort of like a second grandma to me. And we, even when Adam and Abby was kids, we would go over to Branson area and we'd stop in every time we'd go over there. And it didn't matter what, what time of the day that we'd show up. Joe, she would get up at 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night and she'd fry chicken. I mean, seriously, 11 o'clock at night? She wants to fry chicken for us. Now, we want to go to bed, but she wants to fry chicken to give us. That's just the kind of lady she was. But she told me a story that when she was called to preach, I don't know if I've ever shared this, maybe I have. When she was real young, as a woman, back then, they didn't look at women preachers too good. You, you're not, you know, as a woman, you weren't supposed to preach the gospel. But she said, I knew that God had called me to preach. And I let everybody know that God had called me to preach. And she said there was this one man in our community that always ribbed me the wrong way. And she said it got to be really a bad thing. And she said, I'm just praying, God, you've got to help me with this thing. You've got to deliver me. You've got to take care of it. And I don't know how, really, how long it went on, but it just got to the place where he just kept on and kept on and kept on. And she just knelt down one day, Sister Annette, she said, God, I don't know what to do. You're either going to have to take me out or take him out. Now, I don't know if this was because of her prayer or not, but two days later, the man died. I'm going to tell you, God can take care of it one way or another. Now, I'm not, I'm not asking you to pray that kind of way. Lord, I don't like my preacher. You ain't got to pray that prayer. Either take me out or take him out. No, I, I don't, don't pray that prayer with me, all right? Because my prayer is going to be take you out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. God's going to take care of you. God's going to take care of you. Took Peter a little while, according to the scripture. Took Peter a little while to realize that he was not in a vision. Took him a little bit to understand it, but once he did, 
He headed straight for the prayer meeting that he knew would be going on for him. And Peter went to this place where the people would, would be expecting God to be God when praying. They expected God to be God at everything. Look with me, if you will, in verse number 13. The Bible says, as Peter knocked on the door, there was a girl by the name of Rhoda that came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept on insisting that it was so, and they said, it is an angel. Peter continued to knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him. Listen to what the Bible says. And they were astonished. These were folk that had been praying. These were folk that had been in prayer day in and, and day out. These were folk that expecting God to do something. They were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go and tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir, meaning there was a big stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death and he went down from Judea to Caesarea and he stayed there here we go here that Peter shows up at the prayer meeting he knocks on the door a servant girl by the name of Rhoda went to the door and asked who it was and when she recognized who Peter's voice was she didn't even open the door she got so excited because she understood brother Adam I believe exactly for God to be God and do God things amen and she got so excited she run back in and she was telling everybody else they said oh you're beside yourself you don't know what you're talking about it must be a vision it must be an angel all of those things but the bible said peter kept knocking at the door and banging on the door and to find and, and finally they came and they saw the fact that it was peter standing before him now why didn't they believe this little servant girl why didn't they believe rhoda because rhoda was the first to hear the voice of peter at the door why didn't they believe that god to deliver him from prison in a miraculous way it speaks to you and i this morning there's so many times and you've got to believe what I'm talking to you because I've done it and you've done it too. I'll get down and I'll pray to God, God I need help in this situation but I get up not really expecting God to do anything about it because it's too big for God in my own flesh and I'm thinking God I can't do nothing so if I can't do nothing about it you apparently is not going to do anything about it but I've come to let somebody know this morning if not myself brother Joe that God said I will be with you even until the end I will declare unto you good things and righteous things I will declare that you are my servant I will declare that you are the head and you're not the tail and if that's the case all I've got to understand is when I get down to pray I've just simply got to believe that God's still going to be God and God's going to take care of it in God's own timing amen now, I need to stop here long enough and let you know sometimes we pray amiss because we pray not according to scripture ain't, we, ain't no way God can answer that but according to God's will according to the word of God let your faith arise. Hallelujah, let your faith arise. Rhoda expected God to be God. He expected, she expected God to be God. Now, when you look at the Scripture, look at Herod. Herod was another person that didn't expect God to be God. He didn't expect God to be God in his life. He didn't expect God to be God in Peter's life. 
Matter of fact, the scripture tells us that he blamed his soldiers for losing the prisoner and had all 16 of them executed. And I doubt very seriously if any of them knew when Peter left, according to the word, right? Didn't even know the chains fell off. Nobody, nobody said anything. Gates opened up. Have you ever been in jail before? Don't, don't raise your hand. <laughs> I've been in jail, but not because of that. Just going to preach or sing or whatever. But I can tell you, I didn't like it when the gate shut behind me. And just something went all over me. I said, mm, I, don't, I don't like this. Uh-uh. I don't, want, I don't want to get caught in here. And I really didn't like it when they put me, Brother Rage, in that little kitchen area with the gate all around it with two armed soldiers, or two soldiers, two armed guards, and said that the law of Arkansas said if something breaks out while you're in your meeting, we can start firing no matter who's in there. Now that's enough to comfort you right there. But I didn't like that either. But God took care of us. But nobody heard Peter when he left. Herod didn't understand that, and he had all of them executed. But didn't even Herod remember how God delivered Peter? the last time that he was in prison. Isn't that why, when you think about it, isn't that why that he put extra guards on him in the first place? Can I tell you that you and I, if that's the case, then you and I can expect God to be God in the life of folks all around us and including our life as well. We can expect God to be God even in judgment. Look with me, verse number 19. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. But they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus the king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace, because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a God and not a man. The Bible says that immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. Think about that. He was eaten by worms and died. Had he not learned anything from the past, I'm going to tell you, sometimes this really speaks heavy to us because we're the same way if we're not careful. Do we not remember anything in the past that God has done for us? Do we not remember how he brought us out when we had no way? Do we not remember when we didn't have a dime to our name and somebody came along and bought us a meal? Do we not remember that we didn't have nothing Dad, you remember this? We would have nothing in New Jersey. And we came back to the house one day and found an envelope on the door that had $20 in it. Do you not remember how God brought you out of that terrible accident that, that you should have been dead? Hallelujah. But God somehow miraculously brought you out. Do you not remember how your marriage was in shambles and somehow God brought you guys back together? Hallelujah. And on and on and on we could go. But Herod had no thought of this. And the people responded, it's the voice of a God and not man. And God said, I'm, I've had enough. I've had enough. My question to you this morning is simply this. What is God saying about you? Is he saying, I've had enough? Or is he still working with you? Are you still believing that God is God no matter what? 
When you look back in the history, there's a guy by the name of Josephus that recounts this event, and he said that, that Herod, when he put that royal robe on, that royal robe was made out of pure silver to address the people. And he spoke to the people, and he thought he was a god, and he made their views known. Josephus said at mid-speech, he fell to his knees in pain, and he left the stage, and he died four days later, refusing to give God glory for his life. He was humbled by God. I'll tell you something. If you don't humble yourself before the Lord yourself, you better be careful when God gets ready to humble you because you ain't going to like that. You ain't going to like it. God has a way of humbling you that I remember in Scripture, I remember reading a Scripture, Brother Range, where it says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. How much time we got left, Pastor Danny? I don't know, but I believe this thing is winding down soon. But it don't matter who you are. It don't matter if you're a Hollywood person. It don't matter if you're whoever, a, a, a status quo kind of individual, financially fit kind of individual that, that feels like you have no, no need for God whatsoever. But my Bible says that there is coming a day that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to go ahead and bow before him today. I don't know about you, but I'm going to go ahead and give him praise today. I'm going to go ahead and give him honor today. He's God, and he always will be God. So often we forget that we'll all stand before God and give an account for our lives. Non-believers will stand in judgment, be punished for the things concerning a disbelief in Christ. The one who died for their sins. Believers in Christ will receive eternal life but will stand and give an account for their life that they live before the Lord. Every one of us will stand before a holy God. So do you? Do you live expecting God to be God in your life? Have you done that in 2017? Has it been a little rough? Well, can you already you need to change some things in 2018? Some folk, some folk have allowed their faith, as I said earlier, to get stale and, and they've quit expecting God to show up in their lives. You know what? It can happen to any of us if we're not careful. Listen to me, mom and dad. It can happen to you. Listen to me, teenager. It can happen to you. Listen to me, young person. It can happen to you. We, it all happens to us from time to time if we're not careful. We, we know it's happened when the trials we go through makes us better instead of better. Hallelujah. When deliverance that comes our way makes us prideful instead of thankful, we better be careful. When our prayers become small and manageable, we better be careful. When we become indifferent to the judgment of God and we just don't care that we stand before, that we'll stand before a God one day, we better be careful. Those attitudes have crept into our lives and we simply don't expect God to be God in our life anymore. We just go through the motions when we come to church and our faith is simply what I call just ordinary faith. How, do you, how, how, do you, how come you say that, Pastor? Because the Bible tells us every man's been given a measure of faith. But then it's up to us to help that faith to grow, to increase our faith, to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen to me, church. Listen, if you find yourself needing a revival in your life, if you find your faith needing a boost, if you find yourself wanting more in 2018, then get your pencil and paper out and mark it down. This is, this is what has to happen. 
The only way for you to get fixed is to get broken. The only way for God to take care of you is if you don't allow God to break you. Why is that, Pastor? Because I got too much junk in me. Got too much pride sometimes. I got too much, Brother Joe, of know-it-all at times. Hello? Let's just be honest with ourselves. And our prayer ought to be in 2018, even today going into 2018, Lord, break me. Plow up the fallow ground in my life. Help me, oh God, to be pliable. Break me down, Lord. Help me die to myself so I can really live in you. Help me to see you for who you really are and help me to see myself for who I really am. Lord, break me this morning, I pray. I'll tell you something what will happen if that's, if that's your prayer. The minute that we let pride sit down in our house is the same minute we stop hearing God knocking at our door. Why didn't you think those guys expected God to be God? Lord, deliver Peter. Get him out of that jail cell. Don't let him be executed, God. He's our leader. The little girl had to go up. Isn't it amazing? Last few Sundays I've talked to you about the lady that Mary, who is a woman that birthed Christ. And all the story behind all of that when the angel came at the beginning of Christ. Another lady at the resurrection of Christ was the first one to see him. Christ showed up to Mary. He showed up to the shepherds that was an outcast to nobody. And then he showed up to this woman and left all the men folk, those ones that were supposed to be religious, those ones that were supposed to know it all, they left him, he left them alone, and he showed up to those individuals that society said that are nothing. And here we go again. There's a little girl that was there praying for Peter and recognizes his voice. He gets so excited because her prayer's been answered and the other ones didn't believe whatsoever. Isaiah 57 and 15 says this, For thus says the high and lofty one, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit to, rece- to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. As the musicians come, listen, if you want to live a life where expecting God to be God every day, then you must be humble and you must be broken down before him. Who are we? When you think about that, Who are you and I? Who are we that we should stand before the creator of this universe in our own strength and expect God? You don't know how to do it. Who made us king? Who made us Lord? Thinking we know everything. Was it not God that created you? Was it not God that brought you up? Was it not God that planted you where you are? Is it not God today that can take you where you need to go? So who am I, Brother Reigns, to stand before a holy and a wonderful creator God and say, God, I'm not sure if you can handle this. Why do I feel that way at times? If we want an expecting faith, if you want a vibrant and an active real relationship with God, it all starts with being broken before Him. This is not in my notes, but let me ask you this. 
And I know some of you are going to answer the same way that I, I am. Have you ever really been broken before the Lord? I mean, seriously. Have you ever been broken before the Lord? Very quickly, before I read this last scripture, you've heard this story before, but it fits so good here. When we were making those trips, Brother Cup and Dad, down to Brownsville, that revival several years ago, I didn't get to go on the first trip, or maybe the second trip, I don't know, but I got to go on one of those trips, and Sister Annette, my, my heart and my thoughts and everything was, I was ready. I was ready to get down there. I, I, just, I just knew God was going to do something for me when I got down there. Some, some kind of transference of an anointing that they were been preaching about and talking about. Some of you may or may not know what I'm talking about, but Brownsville had a, I don't know how long a revival, a, a phenomenal revival, just a God thing that took place. And many of us here at this church went, but I went down there with an expectation. I mean, I really did. With an expectation for God to break me. I got down there, Brother Joe, and every time the altar call was given, I went. Not because I was lost or not because I'd done anything wrong. I just wanted to go and get more of God. Now, you you need to understand, from a pastor's viewpoint, many times I'll invite you to come to the altar, and many times you won't. I'm not getting on to anybody. I I just want to give you something to think about. Many times you won't. And I'm talking about those of you that is sold out for God. And I get it. I understand. But who are we to think that we don't need no more of God? Think about it. Really, Pastor David, I need more of God every hour. Really. I need more of God whenever He chooses to bless me. I need more of God any time and every time that He can show up. But I went with an expectation for God to just bless me. And everybody I got to pray for me. I mean, they, they tell you, we go down, oh, get Pastor to pray for you. Get Pastor Kilpatrick to pray for you. He's the anointed one. Well, I got him to pray for me, but nothing happened. They'd send the worship team down to pray for folk. And get this little woman here. She's anointed by God. God has touched her in a miraculous way. And I said, all right. She went and prayed for me. Nothing happened. Nothing. I didn't feel nothing. There was a Jew by the name of uh, Brown. What was his first name? Brother Brown, that's all just with Brother Brown. He's just a big Jew. And he came by the altar one night and he hit me in the stomach. Y'all have heard me tell that before. I felt that. But it wasn't God. I got mad, to be honest with you. He just come by and he just hit me and said, God, more! That was all. And I felt his fist. I'm thinking, what's up with this dude? I want more of God and he's come down here punching me in the gut. I don't like to be punched in the gut. I said nothing. And after he'd done that, I can't remember if I have anybody else to pray for me or not, but I thought, you know, this is, I get it. I know I'm saved. So if God don't choose to do this, I'm still going to believe God. That's fine. And I got, went out of the church and we come home. Got on the bus and about somewhere or another, about an hour or so before we got to the house in Blyville, something started, Sister Ruth, stirring within me. I couldn't explain. I didn't talk to anybody that whole trip back. I don't remember anyway just kept to myself and get praying, God, I just want more of you. I just want more of you. I just need more, God. I just want more. That's been that was my prayer. God, just more. Just give me more. And Brother Rain, something got to stir and I couldn't explain. I knew that it was a God thing. We pulled in up here on this bus and I went in where the old school entrance was or is. And as soon as I walked through the door, God hit me 
I mean, he hit me and dropped me to my knees. Somehow or another, I got inside the gym and he put me on my back. Tears running down my face. I couldn't get up. I tried to get up. People would come by and looking at me and thinking I'm strange or what's going on. And I could not get my body off the floor. And I finally said, God, is this it? Are you giving me more? And I just laid there and I wept for I don't know how long. And God miraculously touched. And he poured his blessing. I'm, talk, I'm asking you this morning, have you ever really been broken before the Lord where you ain't got no control whatsoever? It's just you and God. That's what I'm talking about. See, God sometimes has a hard time doing things with us if we don't allow ourselves to be given 100% completely over to Him. I want to leave you with this scripture, and then we're going to come to the altar. In Psalms 34, some of you need to write this down and write this scripture down and reread it several days in 2018. The Bible says this in Psalms 34. This is a proclamation. I will bless the Lord at all times. <laughs> Good times, bad times. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. They looked to Him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around all of those that fear Him and delivers them. Hallelujah. The Bible says, Oh, taste and and see that the Lord, He is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. There is no want to those who fear Him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord, who is the man who desires life and loves many days, that he may see good. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Hallelujah. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but, 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 but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Hallelujah. He guards all of his bones. None of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked. And those who hate righteousness shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of His servants. And none of those who trust in Him shall be condemned. Lord, break me today. Lord, break us today. Lord, break this church today. God will always be God. God will always be God. God will always be God. If you believe that this morning, stand to your feet and give Him praise and give Him honor this morning.
Hallelujah. 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 Some of y'all didn't hear this a while ago, but I need to tell you. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. There's many days I don't feel like getting out of bed. Many are the days of the uh, afflictions of the righteous. There's many times by the rains I don't feel like doing what I need to do. But this word right here promises me. But the Lord delivers me out of all of those things. Well, hallelujah. This is what I want us to do this morning. You don't feel no pressure. This is how I want us to close out 2017. I want as many of you that can to get in this altar. You can kneel down. You can stand. Whatever. You can lay down. All you, I don't care. This is what I want though. When you come down here, I want your essential prayer to be this. God, break me today. Break me, Lord. Change my thoughts. Change my plans. Change everything that I think I ought to do. And break me, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Would you come in Jesus' name as they begin to sing for us today? Break us, Lord. Break us, Lord. Break us, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Break us, Father. Break us, Lord.